Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome to Wildfire Worship and Ecclesia's Holy Spark, where the Holy Spirit provides daily encouragement and edification to get us closer to the Father and Savior. Every day, I, your host, Megan Pugh, will share a message, a word, a revelation, or a moment of reflection inspired by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. We believe that the Word of God is the truth and the light for all lives. We believe all gifts from the Lord should be used to help others. We are committed to carrying out the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth, to make earth as it is in heaven. So welcome, and join us for a moment of inspiration with a holy spark. Hello, my awesome brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to the Holy Spark. I am Megan, and it is so wonderful that you are here with me. I am super excited to share with y'all what the Lord has been sharing with me. My mind might just explode. It has been an amazing time listening and learning. I am so grateful to be able to do this for the Lord and truly humbled that He has asked me to do so. I have been having many moments and, as always, prayerful downloads, and I'm so stoked! But first, a quick fun thing. Lily has started baby soccer. And of course, I was like, let's do dance or let's do crafts. Let's be safe. (laughs) But God is so good, y'all. And he has encouraged this adventure. And let me tell you, I am so glad we listened. Y'all, have you ever seen 20 toddlers running around on the first crisp day of fall trying to chase little baby soccer balls with their parents pretending to be airplanes behind them? If you have not had this blessed opportunity, I recommend it for all. (laughs) My heart exploded with laughter and joy. God is so good. I just couldn't stop smiling. And for you parents, you guardians, foster moms and dads, big brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents, etc., all you who are out there still living your lives, dedicated to doing what's right and good for your babies, I see you and I am so proud of you. It is not easy today to be providing a positive perspective to our young, fragile minds, but you, you are doing it, and you are out there playing, you are out there teaching, you are being the role model they need in their lives to show them the way to our true model, the Lord and Savior. So thank you, and keep going, do not give up, be strong, and be even more positive. The Lord God, He sees you, and He knows your love because He is in you. So today's episode, y'all, is called, O Ye of Little Faith. And to start, I'd like to share a piece of scripture from Matthew chapter 14, verses 29 through 31. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Our God is so cool. I mean, really. Have y'all ever received a message or felt something and you definitely hold on to it because you feel like it's something important? Then it kind of goes into this kind of hold on to that later file. Then something happens and it's this light bulb feeling it goes off and there's instant clarity. Like, oh yeah, that's that's what that was for. I really love these moments. They're like my favorite. Clarity and revelation. It makes my heart feel so good. Well, today's message was 
actually like this. I received this message in early August, and then I just kind of sat on it. I actually forgot about it. Obviously, God intended me to, because as I was recently directed to chapters within the Word, they all kept pointing to the faithless. Honestly, I was getting a little down about this, because let's be real, when you get spankings, it does not feel good. And when God gives you some discipline, you definitely feel like a turd. And let me tell you, I was feeling like a big one, not gonna lie. So anyways, in my grief of realizing that I was being a turd of misery, (laughs) I'm sure my mother just went, my mother-in-law just went, oh my gosh, she just said that. (laughs) Anyways, in my turd of misery realization, I was sent back to a chapter I read in August, about two weeks after I received this message. So we are going to begin our first ever Holy Spark topical series on faith. And we're going to begin with the book, Zechariah chapter 1. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and mighty Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for your elected blessing. Thank you for your salvation and choosing us to hear your mighty word. Thank you, Abba Father, for all that you have bestowed upon us and giving us this time to absorb your love, feel your encouragement, and understand the discipline we need to be closer to you, to be humble before you. Thank you, Father, for giving us this technology to use for the spreading of your gospel. Thank you, Father, for the impartation of spiritual wisdom, of spiritual discernment, and the opportunity to revel in your heavenly glory, Father. Forgive us. Forgive us for our sins, Father. Whether we are new or mature, forgive us and help us to see the needs of our own repentance. Help us to see that which is preventing us to being closer to you and help us to ask for forgiveness and change. Father, we ask that you create new hearts within us. We ask that you strengthen us in your graciously given faith. We ask that you bestow upon us a garment of praise and righteousness and to always be covered in humility. We come before you as your children, Father. We are your servants, Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, use us, guide us, and educate us, for we are yours. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us begin. So, who is Zechariah? Let's start. So, Zechariah is a young priest and prophet in Israel. He's prophesying at the same time as Haggai. Now, these are two different personalities, two different prophets. And Haggai is of blunt force. He's like, to the point, no time for the sensitive. He's kind of punching you in the face with the message, right? And then there's Zechariah, who is really sensitive and mystical. He's dreamy. He's got beautiful language, and he's very encouraging. It is around 520 BC, and Israel is in ruins. Little work on the temples have been done to rebuild. It took about 18 years to actually rebuild. Both Haggai and Zechariah are speaking for the Lord, but with two different themes. 
Both are necessary, though, for the work of God. Haggai's theme was stop procrastinating and get back to work, while Zechariah is saying return to the Lord and he will return to you. Kind of like the drill sergeant versus the life coach. Some can listen to either. Some will only respond to one type, but more than likely they didn't listen, they didn't hear, and they didn't respond. Which one would you listen to? Would you be able to hear either one? Would you be willing to listen and obey the word of God? I definitely don't work with drill sergeants, barking orders. That's not my bag. <laughs> and so I'd probably all be into Zechariah. And I really think that's why the Lord directed me to Zechariah 1 first, because I immediately was hooked in the creative language and the beautiful language that the Lord decided to use through Zechariah. But the Lord gives his message either way through more than one person because he wants us to work together in his word and glory. From the beginning, God has given us the challenge of relationships. He wants us to learn and work with one another, right? Adam had Eve. The Lord calls her Adam's helper. We're to work together to help one another. I received a quick revelation in the beginning of my Christian walk that God has revealed his plan to us, but we don't know the whole thing because of many different reasons. Some don't receive or accept his grace of knowledge. We are quiet and we don't share what the Lord has given us with others. And sometimes we chalk it up just to be a thought, our imagination, like we came up with it on our own. So it makes us not want to share out loud. As we're going through Zechariah, I would like you to think about a few things. The first one is in Zechariah 1.1, we are given the names of his genealogy. A really cool thing to think about is this. Zechariah means Jehovah remembers. Berechiah, his father, means Jehovah blesses. Edo, his grandfather, means at the appointed time. So, if you put it in birth order, at the appointed time, Jehovah blesses and Jehovah remembers. Just kind of keep that in your brain as we discuss further. Second thing to think about is Zechariah wrote this Old Testament apocalypse in Israel. Ezekiel, Daniel, and John wrote theirs outside of Israel. So, why is this important? Because... An apocalypse is not truly defined as the end of the world doomsday at event. It is a revelation of change. It is seeing the world changing according to the acts and allowance of God because of God. And Zechariah is in Israel at ground zero, warning the people of Israel, Jerusalem, and Judah to return to God because he, the Messiah, will and is returning to you. He, God, was giving them an internal chance and opportunity. Also important because these people were walking around in the rubble, a daily reminder of the faithless disobedience of their ancestors, which was causing them not to rebuild. They were not rebuilding because they lacked resources, but because the reminder was seething into their own lack of faith. They did not believe the promises. They did not endure trials. And with a lack of faith, comes the disappearing from the sight of God and removing God from their own sight. They also did not see their work as meaningful or significant. Their work, well, let's remember that their work 
our work. It isn't about us. It wasn't about them. It's about God. It's God's work that leads our lives, our relationships, our experiences by the way of the Holy Spirit working through to reveal the glory of God. Relationships, for example, are significant because we have them to encourage each other and learn the word together. We struggle together. We nurture each other. We disciple each other. We have these relationships because God works through them to help plant the seeds and water the seeds and continue our relationship with him, right? At work, we're given the opportunity to work with others and to share the gospel with others that might not hear his word. Another thing is that they did not feel significant. God's work that he instills in us by the Holy Spirit is part of his universal plan. Not ours, not theirs. They lost sight that they were part of something much bigger beyond their own understanding. And they needed to hear the word of God because they needed to hear the truth to challenge them to alter the course, the path they were choosing for their lives. So why is it important that he was writing this apocalypse in Israel? Because God gave Zechariah this awesome opportunity to see the amazing work of God, the glory of God, the beauty of the Messiah's return and rapture in the darkness that consumed the remnant. He was an example of how to be the light in the darkness. So I ask you, do you feel like you are meaningless and insignificant? Do you feel like God has walked away from you? Are you struggling with trusting the Holy Spirit? Do you know what happened to your faith? Are you relying on God or yourself and others to deliver? Here is the message of God. The message. My dear children, I bring forth a message of love and concern. My selected, my chosen, I love thee as a parent, as your father. I come with love and an opportunity to guide you back home. I cannot see you. I do not recognize you. Hidden from my glory, you have returned to your ways in which I delivered. Hiding from my call. You are shaded by the covering of bondage and slavery. Covered in your sin, you stand before others righteously arrogant. Bound by fear, you mock the blood of the Savior. Convinced of your own holiness, you do not seek the heart of God, but that of which is fabricated and sold. Where are you, my children? Where have you gone? Why do you forsake the royal heir, the kingdom, the promises that I placed within the grace of your divine faith? I do not know who you are. Come to me. Return to me. Return to me. Repent of the wickedness that the flesh can't deny. Repent of the guilt that eats away at the heart I replaced. I will take you. Return to me. Seek me outside of your comfort, for if I gave you comfort, you would not be in the earth. That which gives you comfortable position is that which has imprisoned you and your mind to do anything other than look for me. Find me from underneath the burden of your steeple. Seek me with all your heart 
and ye shall find me. For that which is motivated by lust and want is not of the Spirit, and you build a temple of worship against me. How dare thee to honor any god but thine true god? I am waiting. I am merciful and gracious. Here is your time. Here is my patience. Here is the chance to be in the right hand of God. Come to me and relieve yourself. I am here waiting. I am building my temple. I am creating and devising on a grand scale of innumerable measure, calling for all those who love me with genuine faith. I am building the substantial body in which no true faith would ever deny I am building my church. I am building beyond walls and daily routines, beyond the material of men, surpassing the control of human nature. My temple is held by the angel of the Lord and you, whom shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. That which is divinely given shall bear witness to its glory. For I am the master craftsman, I am the foreman, and I am ready to seek my bride, you, the body. I live within is my temple. Infinitely I live within. Hear me, obey me, follow me. I am speaking. Gather, gather in your homes, gather in your buildings, gather in my holy name and fall in love with me again for I seek my bride. Come to me, come my beloved before it is too late and my judgment grows weary. I am returning to judge nations against my beloved. But will you be recognized? Will I see you? Break your bondage. Break the soul ties. Your fear enslaves you, for I did not give you a spirit of fear. I gave you a spirit of power and authority over fear. Claim your victory. Claim your position, my heir, my bride. Bow before me. Worship and accept me, for I am the true God and King. I am waiting for you. I, your Lord and Savior, await and watch. Oh, how my heart aches. Oh, how I long for my bride. How it hurts to see it persecuted. Oh, how I ache knowing my children have little faith in my promises. Come, children, my loves, I am watching and oh, how I long for you to come to me, so that I may come to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. The Word I'm always so humbled by the way the Lord delivers his messages to me. Sometimes I get the word spoken to me, and other times I get it written. This one was definitely written, and it was done so fervently and so quickly that I didn't have time to understand what was being said to me. And when I returned to it, I was completely blown away by it, because there was a moment where I had to stop and really identify my own faith lack of faith, or the weakness in my faith, and really see the things the Lord was trying to show me. I am a firm believer that in order to be able to speak the Word of God, 
I definitely need to be able to identify myself in the Word of God as well. And let me tell you what, I found it, and it was truly amazing. The Lord led me to create a correlation in the promises of Zechariah 1 alongside the promises of His Word. The promises are as follows. I will return. I am with you. I will provide. I will defend. I will keep my promise. And I am with you. Zechariah chapters 1 through 6 are messianic and millennial visions, meaning they are relative to the Jewish believers and they tell of the thousand-year reign of the second coming of Christ. This is a very rough definition, but just the basic idea to understand the principles of the, the meaning behind the visions. So chapter 1 begins with a call of repentance and the first promise. Zechariah chapter 1 verse 3 says, Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. We cannot return to the Lord without repentance and acceptance. He was telling his people that they need to get rid of their idols, admit their idolatry, admit their sins, and return to him as God. First thing to look at is the definition of Lord of Hosts. Lord of Hosts is defined as boundless resources at his command for people's good, meaning I will give. God knows his people need him. And he tells us 54 times in this book alone that he will give. I will give in abundance. We know and they knew that they could not return until they came out of their own ruin. The Jews were living in their own ruin, and so are we. Rubble reminds us of failure, physical or spiritual rubble, and it's choosing the blindness or looking away, which leads to multiple avenues of ruins within our own systems, the things that we are turning away from, such as media. Media is the destruction of truth. Church has become entertainment of men. Education has become the disfiguration of the mind. Relationships have been redirected to the needs of the self. Government is misused and appropriated, which, just a quick shout out to the Lord, appropriated, did not even know what that word was until the Lord said it to me, and I looked it up, and it means this, to take or make use of without authority or right. It means to pirate. And he's telling us that our government has been pirated. And the last choosing of ruin, our self-choosing of ruin, honestly, is God. We've misplaced God. We've misused God. We've forgotten it, set him aside, and put him on the back burner. But he, God, is encouraging us in Zechariah 1 to be different. Don't follow the same path as others in the world. Come back to him. He will come to you. He will give to you. He's not going to force you. Again, He's not going to force you or spoon feed you. He is going to give you a choice to come to him. Are you going to choose God? Are you going to choose Christ? Or are you going to choose the world? This is the decision we have to make. So the first vision we see in Zechariah 1 is Jesus on the red horse under the myrtle trees. Zechariah 1 verse 8 through 11. I saw by night, and behold, a man riding on a red horse, and it stood among the myrtle trees in the hollow. 
and behind him were horses, red, sorrel, and white. Then I said, My Lord, what are these? So the angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. And the man who stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are the ones whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro throughout the earth. So they answered the angel of the Lord, who stood among the myrtle trees, and said, We have walked to and fro throughout the earth, and behold, all the earth is resting quietly. The second promise of God in Zechariah is that I am with you. I am watching. The angel of the Lord is Jesus. And he is standing under a myrtle tree, showing us that he is standing with Israel. The myrtle tree represents Israel. Other trees have also been used to describe Israel, including the olive tree, the cypress, the cedar, even the grape vine as has been used to sim- symbolize Israel. And as he said in his message that he gave us, my dear children, my selected, my chosen, I love thee as a parent. As a parent, he is watching and observing, allowing us to grow and learn to choose. He was standing there with Israel, is standing there with Israel, allowing them to grow and choose. He's doing it for us as well. In Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, the Lord shows to us he is watching because he is specifically calling out Job as his integral servant, right? He sees what we are doing. And like good parents... They watch and intervene when necessary. Is there a time you could or should have just let your kid or student learn from experience? Or maybe you should have stepped in more. God is the perfect parent. He's watching. He will intervene when it is necessary for him and his plan. But he is watching and waiting and seeing if we choose him. The angels also uh, report and deliver information from their travels around the earth. They are reporters to the commander, the general, the chief. Something to think about. Also in Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, the angels report, and so does the enemy. God asks him, where did you come from? And he specifically says, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. A, the enemy also reports to God. It's black and white in the word. B, God approves and denies anything that the enemy can do against the people of God. Because God gives us the ability to make the choice to pass or fail as believers. Yes, it is a test, but it is a test of integrity and strength. It's not a setup as some people seem to believe or say, ignore my snarcasm at the moment. It is a test. The Lord gives us a test that will humble us or strengthen the faith that we have in our Lord. Think about it. When was the last time you felt like you were being tested? How did you do? Is there something you would have done differently? (laughs) I know there is for me because I am tested daily. All right. Example, driving. People want to make me scream bad words and write post-it notes on their cars and constantly come up out of my seat. I'm not even joking. I daily want to pop off at some crazy driver because they are doing something really ridiculous. And now that Lily's in the car and safety is like this huge thing, I'm like freaking out all the time on people and their craziness. But I am trying so hard not to fail. And I know I'm failing and I always ask for forgiveness and Lord, give me strength and guidance and help me, help me. 
but it's so hard because the baby's back there, you know? So I am trying to pray my way to calm and maybe I should put a post-it note on my window reminding me to pray for that person so that no one in their path gets hurt. The other test of daily testing is that I am a parent of a toddler. And if any of you know, you understand what I'm saying to you right now. If that ain't a big old test, then I don't know what is. Seriously, it can be so super heavy. But prayer, prayer is so awesome and it is so good. And it gets me through the hardest moments of my life, especially with a toddler. (laughs) But sometimes our trials and our tests are not so superficial. Sometimes they're devastating. A loss of a loved one. Rift between families. Division because of ideas or choices. And that's a devastating trial to you as a person. But God, he's asking you to always choose him. Always choose him. And he will continue to strengthen you and your faith. So in Zechariah 1, verse 11, it says, So they answered the angel of the Lord, who stood among the myrtle trees and said, We have walked to and fro throughout the earth, and behold, all the earth is resting quietly. Right after this, in verse 12, Jesus begins to pray to the Father and asks, How much longer will he punish his people? And at first, I was really confused about this. I was like, why? They're at peace. Why is he lamenting over this? But I went and I did a word search on it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I found out a few things. Earth in the Hebrew translation means ground. And in the Greek translation, it means inhabited by men and women, meaning the inhabitants, earth as the inhabitants, the people that occupy, right? And then resting It's also the word peace in other translations. And both words are rooted from the the vocabulary asleep or idleness. If you look in the Jacenius lexicon, I don't know if anybody has looked this up on um, uh, Blue Bible, but they have a lexicon and it states that when the earth is figuratively said to be quiet is when the air is sultry and unmoved. Let me say that again. States that when the earth is figuratively said to be quiet, when the air is sultry and unmoved. Now think about it. Sultry is hot and humid. It's heavy. It's oppressive. It's smothering. It's suffocating. It's simmering. There's some good S words in there, right? <laughs> it's like simmering. It's right before that pot starts to bubble, right? And then it hit me. The earth is not at peace, as in the peace of Jesus, but it's quiet. It's like warming up. And this idleness is because of this people. The quiet means that they are not at war, but it was because it was bought by the blood of God's people. Their ruin was of their own punishment because of their faithless disobedience. And these armies of Babylon, Assyria, Persia, Greece, Rome, all of these 
armies came in and destroyed them much more than God ultimately had intended. It exceeded what he had intended. And so it was their own punishment as well. So it's this constant lull, this oppressive lull of comfort bought at the blood of others. So I began to question myself and each other, us, is our comfort being bought by the blood of others? Comfort is an idea. It's not a reality. Comfort and peace are not of the same. Peace, true peace, comes from the Lord and Savior because we accept him as our Lord and Savior, not relying on materials and approval of others. Peace doesn't come through Facebook or Instagram. And it's our ruin. Our ruin is our own punishment for not choosing God in our most desperate trials, for not having faith in him as the body. We as the body have received the consequences of our own actions. Seriously, what did we think was going to happen if we continued to turn away a blind eye, smooth it over with a participation trophy for everyone, stop working in the righteousness of the Lord and acting through the produced fruits of faith? What did we think was going to happen? He said, I am looking for my bride. He is ready for us, y'all. The prince The prince of peace is looking for his bride, and his bride is his body. Not just one of us, but all of us. Because of our sin, we are sitting in a prison called comfortability. If you are comfortable, you are not experiencing the true salvation of Christ. And people, I'm I'm telling you, it is time to bear our cross, the cross of Jesus, not the denomination, not a paper-thin made structure that can be torn in the wind, but the true cross of Christ. It's time to see that cross differently. It's time to come up to that cross and understand the blood that was shed for us, to understand the true glory of the cross. It's not something to be afraid of, but it is something to take up to accept the depth of our sin that was covered upon him, the Lord and Savior, and to humble us to our knees and to help us see Jesus. Because he is with us, watching. He is with us, waiting for us to come to him. Isn't that amazing, y'all? Just really think about it. It's amazing. He wants us. He's waiting for us. And truly, that in its own should just humble you down to a little ball sometimes. Because me personally, I don't deserve it. Not one bit. And it makes me truly, truly grateful to realize the things that I have been given. Not because of my faith. Let's be real. I am always struggling in my faith. And I am always having moments of doubt. And I'm always questioning all the time. 
That's just the experience of my life where I was. And God is so good that he has delivered me from that. And today I come to you as a completely new creation, knowing what the father has put within me. And I am coming to you to share this with you, that he is with you, watching you, waiting for you. And all you have to do is accept him and to work in your faith. In Christ, not in yourself and not in others, just him. Okay, so I know that was a lot of information to take in. And I am so truly blessed that I am able to separate all of these into a series and to be able to allow the Lord speak clearly. So what we're going to do is I'm going to do new episodes on the visions and the promises and parallel them to the message that the Lord has given me. This is what the Lord has asked me to do. It is a huge task and I am so excited because I always feel like I got to get a million things in there quickly. And this time I'm able to like separate it out. So I just want it to be super relaxed and super chill. And the Lord has given me this awesome opportunity. So things to think about. Zechariah 1. At the appointed time, Jehovah blesses and Jehovah remembers. When it's God's time, when it is his time, he will give you the blessings and he will always remember your faithfulness. Return to God, and he will return to you. The work we do is for God. We are part of the big plan. And it's our job, our calling, and within our faith to be a light in the darkness of our own remnant. Remember, God is watching, and we need to choose God over our worldly concerns and desires. He lets us choose because he is strengthening our integrity. Try to be aware how our own faithless disobedience comes through the rubble of our comfort in media, church, education, relationships, government, and how you ultimately treat God. Are you at peace? Or are you idle like the pot about to begin to boil? Y'all, our Lord, the Messiah, is going to return. And he is going to return because it is his plan, not ours. Are you ready? Right now, are you ready? Because, as it says, he is going to come like a thief in the night, whether you are or you aren't. So I challenge us to work real hard to be ready and to be faithful. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior and Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for all that you give unto us. Thank you for your patience and thank you for guiding us like the perfect parent, teacher, and counselor. Thank you for allowing us to share with each other your revelation to help bring your body closer to you, the head. Our gratitude for every piece of work that you do through us to help others see your glory. How awesome you are, Jesus, to give us a gospel that shares your message of hope and light for those that are dark and lost. Thank you for giving us your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us always, loving us with great endurance. How beautiful you are to be able to correct, nurture, and edify us along this walk. Forgive us, Abba. Forgive our faithless disobedience. Forgive our ability to turn the blind eye to the world around us and become internal rather than external in your righteousness. 
Forgive us, Lord, for not standing up for what is right because of our fear and for the intimidation of being different. Forgive our lack of courage for not being willing to stand against the grain and to yell your truth among the crowds. Help us to repent, Father. Help us to make changes in the avenues of our ruin. Help us to see that we are all part of your big universal plan, and that is why we are part of the many pieces that make this world work. Thank you for giving us jobs that allow us to reach out all over. Let us begin to grow and strengthen our integrity in the workplace, at home, at school, at restaurants, at the gas station. Let our experiences and routines become devoted to you and the spreading of your good works, Father. Let us have courage. Father, we are but humble servants whom are pleased to serve you. Show us, Father. Show us what we can do for you today. Please speak loudly, Holy Spirit, so that there is no room for doubt or confusion when you command us to speak. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, guide us and show us what work we can do for you today. We are your instruments. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. So that is it for today. Quite a lot to download and ponder, I'm sure. I am still trying to figure this out. I am so grateful that you are here and that you are receiving the awesomeness of the Lord today. I feel it. I know something great is going to happen within you today, and the Lord's glory is going to radiate. I know it. If this is your first time hearing about our Lord and Savior and would like to know more, please feel free to contact me at wildfireworship.net. For a copy of the message and coordinating scriptures, you can also find them on our website. I just added a cool space for each podcast and there is notes and all kinds of cool things to look at if you're interested. If you would like to be updated on the next episode, kindly subscribe or follow us. Thank you to our sponsors for their loving encouragement and help. If you are interested in helping our ministry grow, you can safely donate on our website, wildfireworship.net, or contribute through the Anchor Podcast platform. I'm currently working on getting the Holy Spark on other platforms to ease technical issues, so stay tuned for upcoming news. So, in the words of Paul, my friends, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 14 through 24. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Be awesome today, y'all. Do something really cool. And remember, God loves you, and I love you whole bunches. Until next time.